You're listening to InfoTrack. To learn more about our guests or listen to past shows, visit InfoTrack online at InfoTrackRadio.com. Once again, here's Chris Whitting. Does cyberbullying affect adolescents' risk of developing eating disorders? Recent research looked into the question, and joining us to talk about this study is Jason Nagata, MD of the University of California at San Francisco. Jason, before we get into the results of your study, tell us how you gathered the data for your research. This study comes from the Adolescent Brain Cognitive Development Study, which is actually a nationwide survey of early adolescents who are started off at 9 to 10 years old and have been followed every year since. And it occurs across 21 different sites in the U.S. and has nearly 12,000 teenagers who are being followed. And briefly, tell us the results of your study on cyberbullying and eating disorder symptoms. Yeah, overall, that we found that about a tenth of these early adolescents reported being cyberbullied and experiencing cyberbullying victimization was associated with eating disorder symptoms, including worrying about weight gain, self-worth tied to weight, binge eating, and also distress with binge eating. And your study mentions that cyberbullying, as you say, often focuses on body appearance and weight. What is the long-term impact of this targeted bullying, would you say, on uh, an adolescent's mental health? Yeah, I think that there's a lot of impacts of cyberbullying. First of all, it's important to note that certain populations are more likely to be cyberbullied. So one of our earlier findings was that, for instance, LGBT youth are three times more likely to be cyberbullied than their heterosexual peers. And so there are vulnerable populations who tend to be bullied more. And I definitely think that that discrimination and bullying can lead to worse mental health. And we're specifically looking at how that could impact eating disorders. You could imagine how, you know, if somebody gets bullied, especially about their appearance or weight, that could lead to lower self-esteem and then lower body satisfaction. And these teens could then resort to unhealthy weight control behaviors like vomiting or taking laxatives or binge eating to try to compensate for some of these feelings. Eating disorders reportedly have a high mortality rate among psychiatric disorders. What early signs could be observed in an adolescent that might tell us that there's a more serious disorder possible? Warning signs for eating disorders include when a teen becomes preoccupied with their appearance, body weight, size, food, or exercise in a way that really worsens their quality of life. They may withdraw from usual activities or friends because of concerns with body size and appearance. And I think it's really important also to note that even though I think the typical stereotype is that eating disorders only affect girls, actually eating disorders can affect people of all genders and all races and all ages and all sizes. And so one of the issues is that we don't often recognize eating disorders in populations outside of girls. One of the interesting things is that the bullies themselves might be at risk of developing eating disorder symptoms. Is that correct? Yeah, we also found that to some extent, cyberbullying perpetration was also related to binge eating, distress with binge eating, and worrying about weight gain or self-worth tied to weight. I do think that it's a complex relationship, and it certainly is individualized for each teenager. But in general, there is some overlap with perpetrators and victims. So, you know, you could imagine that somebody who experiences victimization could then pass it on to another peer and sort of extend that vicious cycle of bullying. 
And especially, I think, with online interactions, you know, a lot of times these interactions on social media can be from a fake account. They can be anonymous. And so you could imagine how teenagers experience bullying and then the next day or even right after then go and bully someone else. And I think one of the differences with cyberbullying to in-person bullying is, you know, oftentimes these can be anonymized and, you know, not necessarily somebody you're going to have to see the next day at school. I think you touched on this, but how were the participants in the study asked to assess their own relationship with their weight and self-worth? In every year of the study, the teenagers and also their parents are asked about many mental health symptoms that align with the Diagnostic and Statistical Manual. That's sort of the Bible for mental health conditions. And they are asked basically the questions that align with the diagnosis of an eating disorder. And so all of those symptoms that I had mentioned about, you know, being worried about your weight or tying your self-worth to weight or having compensatory behaviors to prevent weight gain, those are all some of the criterion for a diagnosis of, say, anorexia nervosa. And so all of these teenagers are basically asked the questions that align with the criteria for eating disorders. And then also their parents were asked those symptoms as well. I see. Our guest is Jason Nagata, MD of the University of California, San Francisco. And we're talking about a study that links cyberbullying with developing eating disorders. Jason, how can your study's findings influence public policy? What recommendations would you make for public health initiatives? There's a few lessons from these studies. I think first, it's important to note that both cyberbullying and eating disorders or eating disorder symptoms are relatively common among teens. So it's important that teachers and parents and pediatricians are aware that these experiences are relatively common among teens. And, you know, they might consider asking about that, especially pediatricians at, you know, routine health visits and provide guidance as needed. Since teenagers are exposed to so much exposure online, including potentially cyberbullying, it's important that schools as part of digital literacy courses provide some guidance as to how teens can prevent cyberbullying, both avoiding hateful and discriminatory content themselves and also not perpetrating it themselves. Because I think that because these teens are so likely to be exposed to it, I think we have to start providing some guidance as to how teens can deal with this new online environment that we're experiencing. And we've been talking about teens. Could this impact also younger kids, maybe under the age of 12? This current study only started with 9 to 10-year-olds. They are under 12. But I think you're right that more and more, as kids have access to screens and computers online earlier, they could be exposed to potentially cyberbullying even earlier. And it's interesting because technically, in order to obtain a social media account these days, you are supposed to be 13 years old at a minimum. But there's not really robust age verification, so any kid can just make up their age and create an account. And so one thing that we found from this study was that about a fifth of these 9 and 10-year-olds already had social media accounts, although technically they're not supposed to. So I do think you're right that kids are getting exposed to potentially cyberbullying and and other exposures online, even at ages before they're technically allowed. What message would you convey to parents who may be listening who wonder if their kids are being cyberbullied, what they can look for in their children? I think one important thing is that actually one of the biggest predictors of children's screen use is actually their parents' screen use, even though we may not think it. And so I think it's important that parents role model the screen behaviors that they want their kids to also 
exhibit when they're online. So if you have rules about, you know, limiting screen time, you know, at meal times or before bedtime, it's important that you practice what you preach. And even though we're really focused on cyberbullying among children and teenagers, there's a lot of hate that's going on in social media that's even perpetrated by adults. And so I think that it's important that adults, you know, role model these behaviors for their children. Beyond role modeling, I do think it's important to just create an open environment at home where your teenagers might be willing to talk openly about some of these issues. So if they do experience hate or discrimination online, they might feel able to share with you and and you sort of can encourage them to share so that you can either report the perpetrator or help support them if they're dealing with any of the mental health consequences of bullying. With the importance of continued research in this area, where do you see future studies heading? Are there any specific angles or nuances that you feel need more attention? Yeah, this study is, I think, one of the first ones to link cyberbullying with eating disorders, but we actually weren't able to look at the content itself, like what types of bullying people were experiencing. It was just based on kids reporting that they had experienced bullying. So I do think that more nuanced research looking at exactly what kids are being bullied about online would be important to try to prevent future instances of bullying. And I do think that more targeted interventions, especially at schools or doctor's offices to provide helpful digital literacy education for teenagers is helpful for a next step. Absolutely. Jason Nagata, MD of the University of California at San Francisco. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thanks so much for having me. You're listening to InfoTrack, a production of Syndication Networks.